0: What? <laughs> 902 Brewing Company is the official beer of the Wager Pager podcast. Our friends over at 902 are putting out some of the best local craft beer in the Garden State. Log on to 902brewing.com to check out some of our favorite beers like Juicy City IPA and Path Pale Ale. Or come grab a growler at the 902 Brewing Company tap room opening soon on Pacific Avenue in Jersey City, New Jersey. Here we go.
1: The Wager Pager podcast is also brought to you by Kingpin.pro. Do you want to stop losing all your money at sports betting? Kingpin.pro has the top cappers on the planet. Our cappers compete with each other to prove who is the best. Our top capper has a 61% win rate with over 400 plus picks. He's up to $25,000. Stop following handicappers with no records. Follow the best college football, NFL, Major League Baseball cappers on www.kingpin.pro. Download the Kingpin.pro, iOS, or Google Play app and use the promo code WAGER. That's promo code WAGER to get a special discount.
0: Get pumped, get psyched. It's the Wager Pager podcast with Chris Rogers and Brock Landers. Here we go.
1: What's up guys and welcome back to the Wager Pager podcast where we talk about sports gambling, make picks, and conduct must-hear interviews with some of the sharpest minds in the industry. I'm your host Chris Rogers. You can follow me on Twitter at Wager Pager Chris and please follow the pod on IG and Twitter at The Wager Pager. This is season two episode five recording live from Van Vorst Film Studio in Hoboken, New Jersey. That is correct. We're coming to you from our home state of New Jersey that won the battle against the Supreme Court and made the regulation of sports betting all possible. We got another great show for you guys today. We got Captain Jack Andrews dropping by for a live in-studio interview, and we got college football week four, NFL week three picks coming your way. So, without further ado, joining me, as usual, my dude, one of the sharpest gamblers I know, the man with 26 betting outs and someone who knows his way around the sports book. Here he is, Dirk Diggler's alter ego, Brock Landers.
2: Thank you, Chris, for that lovely introduction. And uh, I think you keep moving up the numbers every week on the apps. There's not even 26 apps in New Jersey, but uh, I appreciate that. <laughs>
1: By the end of the season, you're gonna have 90 outs.
2: Yeah, I mean, hey, it's all about getting the best number. Am I right?
1: Right on, right on. We got a lot of a lot of stuff coming your way this week in terms of football. I know Brock's a big baseball guy. Anything uh, on your horizon with baseball betting?
2: Not really. I always shut it down in September, believe it or not, as crazy as it sounds, because uh, I'll give you, you know, kind of go over my main reasons for it and just kind of what I learned over the last couple years of doing this. Pretty much, once you get to September, if you follow baseball, um, you you are allowed to call up uh, guys from the minors, and the rosters expand to, to forty men rosters now. So you're not dealing with the normal, you know, twenty five or twenty six if it's a doubleheader. So now you have a bunch of new guys that are in there. You've got playoffs coming up. You've got managers that want to rest guys. Uh, you also have teams that are. You know, not doing well and they just want to get to the end of the season and everyone's kind of checked out so there's a lot of motivation factor there's a lot of extra players and actually a great tip that I actually got uh, from a former major league catcher whose name will be uh, kept away from the show but he's not too hard to find if you go on my followers list Uh, (laughs) he follows me and I follow him we'll leave it at that and uh, I asked him actually about this question particularly and I said September I always experience some of my worst handicapping in baseball, why do you think that is? And he said, I'll be honest with you, when you get to a pitching staff that's been pitching since, you know, March, April, uh, going into September – these guys' arms are shot. The bullpen, these guys, you know, they're pitching multiple games just to make it to the playoffs. Everyone's tired. Um, so once I kind of put all that together and with football starting uh, every September right around Labor Day, I always say it's time to, to shut down on baseball and look to football. But October coming up, you got some really interesting pennant races out there right now. The final two weeks of the season, it's very tight in the wild card. Um, there's still a lot to be decided. And uh, yeah, we're, we're almost into October. We're getting into hockey season soon and MLB playoffs. I'll probably uh, start getting back into doing a little bit more uh, baseball betting, per se. And... Uh I'm anxiously waiting for some of these uh, MVP Cy Young Awards. I've got some tickets pending, and I think we'll be cashing maybe two.
1: Oh, yeah, a little action there. What what do you got going?
2: Yeah, so before every uh, baseball season, I always try to look for as much value as I can with MVP and Cy Young type stuff. For some reason, NL MVP has been very good to me the last couple of years, and uh, we've got some some horses in the race for sure. Um, so I'm interested to see how that pans out, and uh, you know, might have a chance at the AL Cy Young. So we're hoping that that will help. That'll definitely help the bankroll going into uh, you know a full season of football.
1: All right, we do focus on football here at the Wager Pager Podcast, but we will be checking back in with Brock come October to get a little uh, action on the baseball. A lot of stuff going on with the NFL. Just a barrage of injuries last week. Ben Roethlisberger going out. Uh, Drew Brees going out. They just announced he won't be placed on IR. He's going to be week to week. Who else? Simeon went down. He broke his ankle. Luke Falk is now the starting quarterback for the Jets. Maybe they call Kaepernick.
2: <laughs> yeah, the quarterback uh, carousel going on around the NFL is crazy. It's like an epidemic. These guys are dropping like flies. Uh, and, of course, Darnold. We're... Funny story. I was going to the airport, right, uh, on Thursday. And I'm looking at the games before I leave town to see what I want to put in on the apps because I can't bet in Florida, obviously. So now I'm looking, I'm looking. I find one Jets plus three out there. So I'm like, I'm going to give it a shot. Darnold, under the lights, let's go for it. I get to the airport and someone's like, did you just hear Sam Darnold has mono? And I was like, <laughs> It, no, that's a joke, and he was like, no, it's everywhere, and then I like opened up my Twitter app, and it was just like, mono? Really? And it's like, you can't hang out in Morristown on a, on a Friday <laughs> night or a Thursday night in the Iron Bar, you know? You gotta watch what's, what's going on up there, but yeah, and, and you go back to it even further, uh, Foles is out, uh, you've got Cam Newton now, uh, he could be out for this week's game, a lot of funky stuff, you go back to Luck, it's it's crazy, I, Chris. I've never seen anything like this, and it's such a in a quarterback league where it's so important to have a good quarterback. Uh, we're getting to a point where betting on this stuff is going to be even harder.
1: And of course, let's not forget the long-awaited benching of Eli Manning. Welcome to New York, Daniel Jones. Let's see what the kid has to offer. I think it's the right move made at the right time. Why waste another year of Saquon Barkley's prime? with Eli falling down on the ground every play. Might as well get him out, cut our losses, put in the kid. Let's see what he's got.
2: Now, do you think this is strictly a move from management? Do you think this is a move from Shermer desperation? W- where do you think this came from? Because you're a Giant fan, right?
1: I think there's a mix of, uh, yes, I, I, I bleed blue, definitely. Um, I think it's a mix of things. A lot of people think, okay, we're 0-2, the season's over. But, yeah, you're still only 0-2. I mean, if this kid comes in and starts lighting it up, he could potentially turn around the season. I mean, and just get him in there. Get him in there. Get him some experience right away.
2: And the thing is, too, like, I, I haven't—I mean, I don't listen to much sports talk radio anymore or anything like that or these hot take shows on ESPN or stuff like that. But a lot of people are, like, giving a lot of, like, bad negative stuff for this move. And it's like, well, look back to how Eli came into the league. He was drafted by the, the Chargers, traded to New York— Uh, Kurt Warner was the guy that was starting here, and it was inevitable that he was going to be replaced at some point in the year, and he eventually got, you know, replaced. Now, again, Kurt Warner didn't win two Super Bowls for the franchise, and obviously uh, it happened, you know, I think almost halfway into the year maybe, like week eight-ish, week nine. So that's why I think it's more of just a a quick panic move, like, hey, uh, we got to maybe do this a little sooner than we thought.
1: Yeah. I mean, who knows? I was thinking, I I thought it might go down like around week six, like after the Patriots week, because they would have 10, 10 days off before the Arizona game at that point. But hey, I'm surprised like everyone else. They're making the move in week three. All right. We got a ton more NFL analysis coming your way later on in our pick segment. But for now, let's keep the show moving. Get pumped. Get psyched. It's the Wager Pager podcast. All right, guys, our interview with Captain Jack Andrews is proudly presented by 902 Brewing Co. Tonight, I'm sipping on the Juicy City IPA. It's uh, 43 IBUs, 6.2% alcohol, Juicy City, India
3: Pale Ale. What are you drinking, Jack? Uh, I've got the Campfire Stout. Uh, I actually requested you guys that I I could get this one because I drink it at my local bar. Uh, It's good. It's dark. It's malty. Uh, If you like chocolate, it's got like a dark chocolate bitter taste. Uh, I really like it.
2: Mr. Brock Landers, what are you drinking? Right now I am drinking the 902 Brady's Nightmare. Uh, It's an imperial pale ale, uh, 10% alcohol, uh, 48 IBUs, and it's an IPA brewed here in the Meadowlands. Great stuff from 902. Here we go. And now for our interview with Captain Jack Andrews.
1: All right, guys, we are very excited about our next guest. It's actually his second appearance on the Wager Pager podcast. He's one of the most respected voices on gambling Twitter. He's an advantage player and professional sports better based in New Jersey. You may know him from his work on gamblingwithanedge.com or seeing him on the pages of ESPN Chalk. He's an expert on the ever-changing landscape of legal sports betting here in New Jersey and nationwide. Here he is, Captain Jack Andrews. You guys can follow Jack on Twitter, at CapJack2000. What's up, Captain Jack? Welcome back
3: to the Wager Pager. Hey, thanks, Chris. Uh, Brock, it's a pleasure to be here again. Thanks for inviting me.
2: No problem. Pleasure is all ours, and again, appreciate you coming here. Uh, It was pretty funny how uh, I think—did you ever meet Chris prior to the, uh, the event that we met at a couple months ago?
3: I had not. I I did the podcast last year uh, over the phone, and so at that event actually in June, yes, was the first time meeting in person.
2: Yeah, I know we met just real quick, I think, before you were getting out of there, and uh, I think it was one of those things where it's your friends on Twitter, and then it was like... Landers, Andrews, and it was like one of those type of things. Um, But yeah, awesome to have you here. Thanks for coming by. I figured just maybe start off real quick with just kind of your background and how you got involved in sports gambling and kind of where you're at now.
3: Sure. Yeah. I got started in uh, advantage gambling back in around the turn of uh, 2000 uh, as a card counter. And uh, I did that for a while. I I don't think I was very good as a card counter, to be honest with you. And uh, that Segued into online casinos back around the early 2000s, and uh, it was a different world back then. But basically, uh, you could hustle the bonuses here and there, and uh, multiple times, and it was it was quite lucrative. I built a bankroll that way, and that segued into sports gambling because there were offshore sports books all over the internet, and they threw out these crazy promotions. And hey, if you think New Jersey's promotions right now are crazy, it was it was really bizarre back in the day. Um, So that that furthered my bankroll, and then around 2006, it got it got hard to get uh, money in offshore, and it became uh, kind of a uh, much harder to, uh, you know. Apply that craft. So I kind of moved back into brick and mortar casinos and did a lot of advantage play there. And that's one of the reasons why I kind of have this Captain Jack moniker is because you never want to give up your identity to a casino, uh, especially if they might want to kick you out of their casino. So that went that way. And then around 2010, I heard that New Jersey was looking to legalize sports betting and I, I got behind it right away. Uh, there was ballot referendum in 2011. I thought, man, we're going to have sports gambling by 2012. This is going to be great. Uh, I'm all ready for this. You know, I was ready to hit the ground running. And of course, six years went by until I could actually place my first bet. Uh, and that brought us up to where we are now.
2: So were you a fan of sports gambling at all? Or was it just another kind of, you know, portfolio type thing to add to your advantage gambling that you just kind of, you know, kind of knew the secret to, to beat it and
3: kind of got involved? At the time, it wasn't my primary source of income. But as the years kind of went by and other things, uh, the inefficiencies dried up. I found I could still be getting finding new things with uh, sports betting, and uh, it became more and more of a primary source of income in my professional gambling. So, yeah, um, sports gambling is now probably my primary source of income, and uh, you know I'm I'm happy with it. I, I enjoy it. I enjoy the industry. I enjoy the. Um, the cat and mouse game that we have to play, you know, there's a science of sports betting and there's an art of sports betting. Uh, and I think that's a large part of it. And I really enjoy what I do. Are you a fan of sports, though? I have some favorite teams. I, I try not to bet on my favorite teams or against my favorite teams, but sometimes you can't resist due to the number. It's tough to watch sports with my wife, and she can tell if I have a uh, vested interest in the game rather than just watching the game from a a sports fan view. So it makes it a little tough sometimes. Tremendous stuff, as usual, guys, from Captain
1: Jack Andrews. You can follow him on Twitter, at CapJack2000. Before we dive into the whole legal landscape of uh, sports betting here, can you kind of explain to some, uh, some of the people who may not be aware
3: what it means to be an advantage player or AP? So an advantage player is someone who goes into a casino not looking to spend their money, they're looking to make money and they need to identify areas where they have a positive expected value in a play. Now, advantage gambling runs the full gamut of anything in a casino. Uh, I like to tell people everything in a casino could be taken advantage of in certain ways. Some of them are completely legal. Some of them are somewhat legal, and of course, some of them are blatantly illegal. Uh, <laughs> I try not to do any of the things that are blatantly illegal. I do press the envelope sometimes with things that the casino would probably frown upon, but you know that's. That's neither here nor there. But in terms of what it means to be an advantage player, it's somebody who looks to find inefficiencies in a market, in a casino, and take advantage of those and turn that into a profitable enterprise.
2: So when did you kind of get the big picture of it? Because, I mean, there's a lot of people that start with sports, you know, gambling or betting, whatever you want to consider it, and uh, they think it's just, you know, doing your research and showing up and putting some money down on a game. When did you kind of realize that, hey, there's a way that I can make money and kind of do this the right way long term?
3: I think that was early on. Uh, You know, like I said, I wasn't a very good card counter. Uh, Card counting takes a lot of discipline, uh, a lot of study, and it also requires you to be very mobile, got out to all these different casinos, be willing to take rejection, be willing to get thrown out of a casino. And I I probably just didn't have the guts back then, you know, we're talking about 20 years ago, to do it as well as I should have. When I got into online casinos, though, and this was more something I could do from home, I could do it – I used to have a job in IT at a law firm. And I could do it at work. You know, nobody knows. And since I was kind of big brother at work, uh, (laughs) you know, I was the one in charge of finding people who were gambling on company time. And it was me, actually. (laughs) Um, So I – that's when I really started to get into it and really started to kind of get the gears rolling on how I can scale this upward and how I can uh, make income at this. And uh, that went on for a few years before I kind of realized, you know what, I'm making just as much doing this as I am at my full-time job. And yeah, the full-time job has security and uh, has some depth to it, but I kind of enjoy this more. And uh, that's when I really started to contemplate making that switch into becoming a full-time professional gambler.
2: That's an awesome story. Did you find anybody Using uh, the IT computers uh, that you were monitoring to gamble at all?
3: (laughs) Only people that I had recruited to help me out in the enterprise.
2: (laughs) Nice. Every gambler needs
1: a buddy sometimes, right? Right on. So back in your card counting days, were you doing like disguises and stuff like that?
3: You know, Chris, I never got into it that much to do the disguises. And uh, I kept up in the community, though. And so I've been friends uh, with all these guys that have done these incredible plays and stories and i I know them all and and, uh they're all great people and uh some of the some of their stories are just amazing and and you know if your listeners want to ever kind of explore that sort of thing um there's plenty of other podcasts out there there's a gambling with an edge podcast where they kind of talk to a lot of card counters and casino ap's and uh you get a real background on what that life is like
1: are you still writing the blog for those guys over there gamblingwithanedge.com
3: I do the the deal I have is that I can write a blog whenever I feel like it, and um, well, sometimes I just don't feel like it. I've actually <laughs> I've actually found that you know Twitter is actually a more um, a faster way to get your your story out there. You know, you can start a thread on Twitter and you can get all your bullet points out there, and you can start that conversation, and that conversation can then kind of feed back as to where the story goes from here. And that's I find that more impressive actually than. Uh, you know, writing a blog and getting it edited and waiting for a publisher to put it up on the site. uh, Sometimes getting that Twitter message out there is just instant feedback and uh, it, it feels better. So
2: going again, just to, to kind of finish up with your, your sports gambling and, and getting into that to be professional for you, did you read any books along the way? Was it all trial and error? Was it all kind of you just picked up things as you went? I mean, for me, it was a lot of listening and reading and stuff like that to finally get to the point where I'm happy where I'm at right now. What about for you?
3: Yeah, Brock, you know, that's a good question, because back when I started out, it was all books. There wasn't a lot on the Internet. There was one or two websites, and it was kind of, you know, a hodgepodge of things. And, and the people that were on there weren't actually the, the, the best people, you know. It was, it was books. That's how you learned. And you, there was actually some trade magazines and things like that. So I've read tons of books. I have bookshelves full of books. Um, and I kind of still am that way when I do my sports betting. I'll read anything that comes out on sports betting, uh, even if it's trash, because every, every so often you'll find just, some, just one little nugget of information in a book that otherwise is a waste of your time. And just that little nugget of information might be enough to uh, you know, do something crazy with some kind of play or an angle down the line.
2: Do you think we're getting to a point where um, as we get into, you know, more stats, more numbers, more of these algorithms at books and and whatnot and people using to get lines and stuff like that, do you think pretty much the pen and paper handicapper days are kind of over? Do you think that that there's any way for those guys to beat the market,
3: uh, you know, year in and year out? That's another good point, Brock, is because I don't know how they do it. Uh, I'm completely computerized and even right down to when I make notes on angles and things like that, I I make it on my computer and I reference it later either on my phone, I put it on Google Drive and I, you know, reference it elsewhere when I'm, you know, have some downtime. These guys that are doing this sort of just qualitatively, I call it, where they just have it by feel – uh, I think they're they're starting to die out. Um, it's it's a much tougher way to to handicap is to do it by just the seat of your pants. Um, it's really a computerized industry these days, and I I think I was I was enough at the forefront of that where I was starting to leverage the internet that I, I had some really good angles and advantages back from I'd say 2004 to 2014, just to kind of throw some dates out there, and a lot of those angles and inefficiencies have dried up because. Everyone knows all these stats now and everyone has all this information and there's just so much data out there and it's all, uh, you know, just being thrown at you to the point where it's tough to find an angle or, or something that no one else has, has beaten into a pulp yet uh, and then to beat them to the lines. And it's, it's very tough. Uh, so, yeah, to do it without any kind of computerized or web scraping or anything like that, it, it's really tough these days. Wow. Very fascinating stuff,
1: guys, from Captain Jack Andrew. Switching gears up a little bit here. um, We're lucky to have Captain Jack here in studio because he's always at the forefront of the legalization and the regulation of sports betting. What can you tell us about the current state of the legal sports betting here in New Jersey? What's been good so far and what's been bad in your opinion?
3: So New Jersey did position themselves tremendously when it came to the legalization of sports betting. And what we've seen is a, is great for the consumer in New Jersey. We have so many different options of different sports books and different types of sports books. Uh, I think the regulations were very well crafted in New Jersey to come up with this competitive environment, and it's actually reached the point where I, I believe a lot of operators are actually getting a license in New Jersey without much intention to compete in New Jersey. They just want New Jersey to effectively speed the plow for them into other states. Because if they go into, you know, Indiana and say, well, I already have a license in New Jersey, Indiana is going to go, oh, okay, well then here, you can have a license here. I mean, they've done their due diligence, I'm sure. So we got the benefit of a lot of that in New Jersey. We got the ability to see all of these products first. Obviously, things like points bet. Nobody saw that coming, right? And uh, it's an innovative product and everyone around the country is talking about it because it's a whole different dynamic in, in how, how sports betting can be done now with the good comes the bad. So uh, the bad for the consumer is we have a lot of this European influence into our sports betting market. And the European influence is that sports betting is just a recreational product, much like going to the movies. You get three hours of entertainment and you're done. Don't expect to get your money back. And that's what they want. They want the $10, $20 bettors that are just going to have some money on the game just for a little extra sweat. They don't really uh, expect to win long-term. Unfortunately – I don't think the American culture is quite like that. If we're going to put our money behind something, we want to try to make it the best that we can do for our money, You know, whether that be through our own research, whether that be through trying to get better at what we do. People that are listening to this podcast are listening because they want to become better at sports betting. They're not listening for recreational purposes. So I think that's been – a real negative in the state. And, it's, and unfortunately, that's not so much a New Jersey thing. That's more of this European model versus the American model. I'm hoping that now that some of these Nevada properties are starting to get their act together, starting to realize what's going on in New Jersey with all the extra ways that we can wager in New Jersey, they're going to say, okay, you know what, we need to step up our game and we need to compete with that because otherwise that's going to come marching into Nevada soon and we're, you know, we're going to be up against this as well. So hopefully Nevada starts to fight back and kind of spread some of their culture of how they book sports betting and we'll see where it goes from there. Now, one more negative for the industry is that New Jersey has become very crowded Okay. Uh, you know, Brock knows because he downloaded all those apps onto his phone. <laughs> there are, I think we're up to 18 sports books in New Jersey. Well, this is a state of 9 million people. And even with people flooding across from New York each weekend, we can't support 18 different sports books. Uh, there's going to be some consolidation at some point. There's going to be some some contraction in the industry. So we're going to see that happen probably this spring. Um, so look for maybe one or two operators to exit the New Jersey market. Now, they're going to exit New Jersey having already gained what they wanted from New Jersey, that, that license, that approval to operate in the United States in a very key state. So they're not going to be disappointed in, in leaving New Jersey because they're going to go on to other states and, and try to make their mark uh, there where there's less competition.
1: Very cool. Very cool. What about the national landscape? How are we looking here uh, with other states? How are they developing?
3: So I think we're up to... 16 states now that have legalized sports betting. It wow. just kind of blew up, right? The last time I was on your show, I think it was January, and uh, it, was, it was still just New Jersey and Mississippi and West Virginia. Wow. Uh, I think Rhode Island had just come on uh, the month before that. But now we have Pennsylvania, which is coming online, and they have a mobile product, and they have a big population, and that could be a powerhouse state. Uh, New York is still... <laughs> they're still on the sidelines here. We're still probably... It'll at least be next summer before they get a law passed allowing mobile wagering, and it might not even be then. And if it's that if it's that summer, then they're hard pressed to get it into play by next NFL season, NFL twenty twenty, uh, which is just mind boggling. Because you know Brock can tell you he spends time at the Meadowlands. It's all New Yorkers. Everyone, yeah, <laughs> everybody. You know, they're. I mean, New York just hates money. Um, so they, for some reason, they don't want this traffic over there. But there's going to be other states as well. And, you know, we're seeing Iowa is going to be a, a really rich market. Indiana is a good market. Illinois is going to be a monster once they get going. But they are going to be another one like New York that's going to seem to hate money for a while. And when they finally do get going, you know, you got Chicago there, which is Chicago has always been kind of a Midwest finance town. You know, you got the, the, the options trade is kind of based in Chicago. And I think they're going to be really big gamblers. I think we're going to see, you know, just like now we see these huge bets that are starting to come through in New Jersey. Um we're going to see some huge bets and I think it's going to be in Illinois. You know, that's that's my dark horse for probably within a few years if New York doesn't get their act together, Illinois is going to be the state that has the biggest handle in the country. Do
2: you think that we'll ever get to a point where it'll be pretty much nationwide? You could be in any state; you could still use your William Hill app, whether you're in California, uh, you know, New Mexico, Jersey, Connecticut. Do you ever think we'll get to that point? It's kind of funny because I have some friends that download the app in New Jersey and then they take it off and and go on vacation and they're they're texting me like, "How come my app doesn't work in uh you know <laughs> in Colorado?" And I'm like, "Because it only works in New Jersey. That's why it has a location." Do you think we'll ever get to that point?
3: Eventually, we have to. There's just too much of a force behind this. There's too many people doing it. Again, it kind of goes back to like the legalization of marijuana. Everyone's doing it. So why not make some money from it and regulate it? And it's going to happen like marijuana did state by state and the federal government's going to cross their arms and say no way, we're not going to let this happen. But eventually it will. Eventually there's going to be a change in ideology. So right now we have the Wire Act and if you're if your audience isn't familiar with this, this is a law that was put in in the Kennedy administration and basically it's to thwart bookies from operating across state lines advertising their bookie service across like, you know, if I'm living in Nebraska and uh, I go to Iowa and I put up some signs advertising my bookie agency over there. And also then I kind of book horse racing action from other states and things like that. And I can do it nefariously because I can tell them the result and they're not there. They don't know. You know, it's a very antiquated law and it's built for a time that had nothing to do with sports betting, nothing to do with internet. And yet it's applied to internet sports betting. (laughs) <laughs> so it's it's a frustrating piece of legislation, and unfortunately there's been some talk of reimagining the Wire Act and, and rewording it so that it definitely applies to just sports betting. Well no, we don't need that. you know nobody needs that. Let the people do what the people want to do. Uh, America is full of adults and let adults be adults. So uh, you know, I don't want to get too much on a soapbox here, Brock, but uh, we need to get to the point where federal regulation comes, Uh, at some point, just to tie it all together. What I don't want to see is federal regulation coming in and saying, well, this is how it should be done in every state. State commerce should be a little bit controlled and, and up for the states to decide. And when you get the federal government involved, they tend to like make these blanket rules that apply to everyone. But, you know, states are all different and they want to handle things differently. And gambling has always been a state issue. So let the states come up with their own way to do sports betting, and then let the federal government come in and say, okay, well, we're just going to have a little bit blanket tax on top, and you'll be able to have interstate sports betting between consenting states. So, hey, if Utah doesn't want to have sports betting, they're not going to be forced to have it. It'll still go on in all the states around them that want to consent. And they'll be able to share liquidity, and these sports books will become huge and so massive that they don't care about Captain Jack's action or Spanky's action or Brock's action or Chris's action. You know, they're they're just willing to take these wagers because the market is is efficient enough that it can handle uh, some outliers on the edge, kind of taking their little piece of pie.
1: Very fascinating stuff, guys. As usual from Captain Jack Andrews, you guys can follow him on Twitter at CapJack2000. Getting back to the uh, New Jersey betting community. What do you know about this
3: DraftKings Super Contest that's happening here in New Jersey? So, you guys know I'm—I've never been a huge fan of DraftKings. Uh, <laughs> anyone who follows me on Twitter knows that I take a shot at them or two whenever I get a chance. I like to post about how they limit me to thirty-five dollars on an NFL bet. But hey, give credit where credit is due. This looks like a really cool contest, and what it is—it's a—it's a sports betting pool where you pick against the spread. And it starts in week four and goes to the end of the season. And you can pick any 70 games in the season at any time. So if you want to pick all 14 games in week one of the contest and, you know, so so on through the first five weeks of the contest and use up all your slots, you're done. If you want to wait until the last five weeks of the season and see where everyone else is at, you can pick late in the contest. If you want to just find the games you want to bet on, uh, you can do that as well. It's very flexible. And, of course, that, that flexible nature of the contest allows it to be used by people outside the state who can come in every now and then to make their bets. So, in other words, hey, I'm in Delaware and I only get to New Jersey maybe twice a month. Well, you can still be in this contest because you don't have to, you're not going to be able to use a proxy. New Jersey does not have any proxy betting. They have actually a regulation. There's no proxy betting. But you can come into the state and make your picks uh, every so couple of weeks into this contest. The other cool thing about it is the contest lines lock on Wednesday and you can bet up until game time. So, in other words, you know, you read injury reports on Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and you can kind of make a better, more informed wager uh, into this picking pool towards the end of the weekend. But also remember, everybody else is going to know that, too. So everybody else is going to be doing the same thing. So... Case in point, this past week, we had Cleveland and the New York Jets. And of course, Darnold goes down with mono. And the line went from uh, minus two and a half to minus six and a half uh, Cleveland. And in Vegas, one of the contests, I think it was the super contest, had already locked at minus two and a half. So of course, everyone in the contest is picking Cleveland minus two and a half. Well, if you're in that situation as a person in the DraftKings contest, you might say, I need some contrarian value here. I need to pick up a point on everybody else in the race. So therefore, I might have played the Jets plus two and a half, even though it's a horrible value. It's a great contrarian play. So that's the sort of strategy we're going to see in the super contest from DraftKings. I think it's great. It's a $500 entry, and, that means, and it's a million-dollar pool. So that means it's 2,000 entries to break even. And while you think, well, maybe we can't find 2,000 people that will be willing to do this contest in New Jersey, well, you can enter up to three times per person. So you can have three entries in this contest. I don't think there's going to be an overlay, and there's enough smart people out there that if it gets close to an overlay, they're going to jump in this contest and push it over. So don't play it just because you think there's an overlay. In fact, this contest is largely just a big coin-flipping exercise. When you have 2,000 people flipping a coin, somebody's going to end up at like 75 percent, and people are going to go, wow, look at this guy. He picked 75 percent. Well, yeah – you probably didn't have that much skill. So don't read too much into this contest in terms of who wins or who loses. But it's, it's a fun exercise. This is the sort of thing that I think is innovative in the New Jersey market. We see it all the time in the Nevada market. Nobody really wanted to do it in New Jersey. I kind of kept teasing on Twitter this summer that, you know, hey, we're, we're – two months away from the NFL season, nobody's announced a handicapping contest. What gives? I had a few DMs from operators telling me like, well, we've been trying, but our lawyers are kind of, you know, telling us this isn't a good idea. And I think DraftKings is doing it right. Uh, even if they're starting four weeks late, I think this looks like a really fun contest to do. I'll be doing it times three um, <laughs> and, you know, definitely getting into it. And of course, then DraftKings is also going to do the Sports betting national championship. I, that was probably the next note on your on your page. Yeah, there. yeah,
1: they're doing it again. Yeah,
3: so uh, it looks like it's going to be the first weekend in December, December sixth, seventh, and eighth. Oh, they're
1: doing it earlier this year,
3: right? Because they don't want to run into that same issue that screwed our friend Rufus, um, <laughs> where you know the the NFC championship game or playoff it's the starting time and all. Right. That. It was. It was. That was a poorly thought idea. So I think they're learning from their mistakes. There's going to be college bowl games that weekend. I think that's the Army-Navy game that weekend. There's going to be college basketball. There's going to be NBA, NHL, and, of course, there's going to be the NFL. It's a, it's a really rich weekend in terms of content that people can bet on. So it's the same format otherwise? From what I've heard, and, of course, they haven't officially announced, but from what I've heard is it's the same. It's $10,000 entry, and 5000 of that becomes your real money bankroll. Okay. And that could you know that could be fun again it might be an overlay 10,000 is a little steep for most people to throw into a contest um, but you know I, I I went to it last year I saw a lot of guys that kind of pooled their entry four guys got together and each put up 2500 and you know kind of approached it that way. There's gonna be a lot of sharps in town it'll'll it'll be it'll be fun. I don't know if they're gonna do the same thing where you had to be in Jersey City. I don't know that part yet uh, but it, it looks like it's another another fun contest so hey, DraftKings can record this podcast and say, you know, look, Captain Jack actually, actually said some nice things about us. Um, You're not off you the
2: hook yet. I was going to get more into that. But uh, just to go back real quick to the, to the contest that DraftKings that you just mentioned is having uh, from week four on, how come week four, any, any spe- specific reason why they, they started it so late into the, the NFL season?
3: Their answer was they wanted to get all their ducks in a row for week one of the season and they didn't want this to be kind of just kind of thrown in there and people kind of not see it and not a lot of people sign up for it. That's valid. You know, it, it's going to start in week four at the end of September. So, you know, I, I don't know why they even need to have a start period because if you're going to do 70 picks at any time through the rest of the season— you know, let people sign up as late as early December, but I guess maybe they don't want people k- kind of gaming it and seeing like, nobody's above 50%. I'm going to now jump in on this. I, I don't know. There's a lot of reasons that, c- that could be.
1: So that's next week then, right? Or is it after week four, like Sep- starting week five?
3: September 29th, I think is the deadline. I, we should probably look that up, put it in the show notes, but uh, I believe it's September 29th is the deadline.
1: Okay.
2: Just to get back to to Draftkings, I know how you mentioned that you, you're unhappy of uh, them limiting you. Uh, you. know Draftkings has been now uh, you know, the app for for what a year, two years already. Was it something that happened right off the bat immediately? Like how soon did it take you to kind of get limited? Was that like a process where you were like, let me see how much I can get away with or was it just like let's go for the, the gold and, and see what happens until they catch on?
3: So Draftkings started in New Jersey August 1st. And I, I signed up right away. I was on like kind of, I guess, the beta list. I was testing them out right away. And uh, I was impressed by how many different derivatives they had in terms of their their betting buffet, I've heard it called. And I think that's a good word to describe it, because they have a ton. They have a ton of different bets available, right? And one of the things I saw was uh, some, some in-game betting on Major League Baseball. And uh, I actually had a model that I had written some time ago to to kind of tackle this, and I I thought, you know, I I think I could get an edge on this. And I was just firing in two, $300 bets on some will there be a a run scored in the next inning. And I probably did this for about mm, maybe a week, maybe two weeks. And of course, there's a lot of games each day. But the point of the story is at the end of this experiment, I was down $600. And that's when I started to get limited to, you know, $50 a, uh, a play. And from there, it got worse. Like, I, you know, I was like, all right, I'll, I'll just do $50. And nope, you're down to, you know, $10, $5. And I posted one about a week ago where 91 cents is what they would allow me to bet on. Wow. On the Miami Dolphins <laughs> not to win a game this year. Oh, or, wow. or sorry, the Miami Dolphins to win a game this year um, at, at 30 to 1. 91 cents is all they would allow. Uh, but that you know, I wasn't ahead. I was down six hundred dollars. So,
2: yeah, that's really interesting for the people listening out there. Even being down, they're still limiting you because they know that you have the advantage there.
3: Right. So, I mean, let's be clear. They have a risk management service uh, that handles everything for them called Camby. and Camby is a European operator, and Camby actually works with other sites such as Play Sugar House, eight eight eight, Unibet. Uh, Over in PA, they have parks, they have rivers. Uh, You know, they've they've kind of spread themselves out all over the all over all these emerging states. And the way they do that is is they have a very low price that they offer these operators to get in and be their, uh, you know, their risk management. And so these operators are like, I don't know about this sports thing. Well, here comes Canby saying, well, we'll just take, you know, whatever it is. It's probably a very it's like I'm a single digit percentage. Um, And and these operators go, oh, how can we miss? We'll go with Canby, you know. And what Canby does in order to ensure high margin is they cut out anybody that looks like they could possibly be good to keep these margins high. So whereas I might be a player that loses at 1% to 2%, but that's not enough of a loss for Canby. They want players that lose at a 6 to 7 to 10% clip. Well, you know, guys, you guys know with sports betting. Like if you're just playing minus 110 lines, you know, you're going to lose – you know, it's about 4.5% hold there. It's not – it's not a huge hold. Now, if you're betting a lot of parlays and things like that, yeah, you're going to lose at a larger clip, but not just betting straight bets. And I have a feeling like they're starting to get on to some of those players where they're painting with such a broad brush that they're knocking out a lot of these guys that are just recreational guys that maybe have some closing line value just because they, they stepped into it. <laughs> um, and, you know, I gave the example back in late March of this, of this guy I met on Twitter who a recreational better. He bet the Yankees the day before the season. Now, I remember the Yankees opened the season against Baltimore. And, of course, Baltimore was going to be this horrible team. Yankees going to be this great team. Well, the line at DraftKings the day before was minus 275. But the line closed at DraftKings at like minus 400. So Canby looks at this and says, this guy bet us at minus 275. I closed to minus 400. This guy knows what he's doing. <laughs> well, no, he's just a Yankees fan. He's just a Yankees fan. So uh, he got limited. He, he's like, oh, man, I can't bet more than $10 on any of these boosted odds anymore. I'm wow. like, that's, that's what happens. Do these limits stay in place, like forever? Or yeah, that's— they see, ever get lifted? And that, see, that's the problem is that it seems to be a one-way street. Like there's just one analysis of a player done, and boom, you're locked into that forever. Now, does that
2: follow you to other books? Have you noticed that, too, right off the bat?
3: So I have noticed that. Uh, now, I've talked to other people in the industry who say that that information is not shared between books. So in other words, Canby can't tell that my login on Sugarhouse is also my login on DraftKings. I'm not so sure about that. <laughs> I get, you know, pretty quick acts at all these other books, too. So uh, I'm not totally sold on that. Wow.
2: All right, guys, we're going to have to stop it right there for this week. You'll have to come back next week to get part two of our interview with Captain Jack Andrews.
1: All right, guys, what an awesome interview with Captain Jack Andrews. Uh, Stay tuned next week to catch part two. Brock, college football week four, NFL week three. You got anything up your sleeve that you're looking at in the college world?
2: In the college world. Well, we've made a couple of uh, early plays so far this week. Uh, my first one uh, that I'm going to give out here real quick, uh, Michigan plus three and a half. Uh, hopefully you could still get that. Uh, I did still see it uh, but right before this show. Uh, we record this uh as usual on Wednesdays, so hopefully by Friday you still find a 3 out there, but a a 3.5 would be very nice for you. Uh, Some other guys I know tailed it as well. Uh, Hopefully by the time it gets to kickoff, it'll be somewhere below 3, and uh, that's all you can ask for. They're playing Wisconsin, and I think uh, it might be a good profitable spot to to take Michigan here getting the points.
1: Sounds interesting. Might have to tail you there, Brock. Uh, The first game on my college football card this week is going down Saturday at 3.30 p.m., This is strictly a situational play here for me. This is actually a letdown look-ahead sandwich game because we have Buffalo plus 14 at home. They're playing Temple. All right, hear me out. Temple's coming off a big upset win of Maryland last week, a a ranked Maryland squad. So I'm looking for them to have a little bit of a letdown, right? And the Buffalo game now here is sandwiched in between a look-ahead because next week, Temple is hosting Georgia Tech In its first ever meeting. it's the first ACC opponent since 2005 in Temple. I really like QB sophomore Matt Myers. And Buffalo beat Temple last year 36-29. So we know that these guys can play with them. Buffalo is 13-4 straight up all-time versus Temple. This team moved the ball last week versus a really good Penn State team. Give me the Buffalo Bulls. Plus 14. Maybe even sprinkle a little bit on the money line. Plus 4-10.
2: I like it, Chris. I like it. Looking for some underdog money there on Saturday. Uh, just to round out real quick some other stuff that I played that people uh, passed along that I respect in the industry. Uh, Old Dominion, if you're looking for a big dog, they are going to be playing also on the Saturday at 7 o'clock. Uh, they are going up against Virginia. Uh, the line was up to 30, that's when I was told to take it. It's down to twenty-eight and a half. Uh, maybe they hang around there somewhere, and uh, you know you're getting multiple scores to to play around with. It don't even have to win the game. So, Old Dominion plus thirty. And I was also told if you're looking for another play, maybe you don't like playing dogs. Take a look at Mississippi. Line opened up at I think one. That's what I got down on. It's up to two and a half. Still a pretty cheap money line. If you want to just forget about the points, I'm seeing around minus 135 right now.
1: They play California uh, Saturday afternoon. That's why they call him Brock, closing line value, Landers. You can follow this guy on Twitter at Brocklanders41. The next game I'm looking at here on my slate, you know I love these underdogs, baby. Give me the Oakie State Cowboys, plus five, versus the Texas Longhorns. This game's at 7.30 p.m. kickoff Saturday night. Again, might have to uh, put a little bit there on the money line, plus 170. This game did open up at 6.5, so I know I am li- losing a little bit of value here. But I do think Oklahoma State can keep this game close. It's going to be—I think the over-under is like in the 70s, so it's going to be a track meet. I would look at the over, too, but— uh, Oklahoma State's a sneaky good team, man. They're unranked at 3-0. they got a high-flying offense. They've dropped so far this year in the first three weeks, 52, 56, and 40 points. The connection between QB Spencer Sanders and wide receiver Tylon Wallace is electric. The kid can fly. Give me the Cowboys plus five. All right, my last game here I'm looking at in the college football slate is the Notre Dame Fighting Irish receiving plus 14.5 points versus Georgia, okay? This game opened at 13.5, a whole point of value right there on the line movement. You know I'm a big power rankings guy. When I looked at Jeff Sagarin's numbers, it says that Georgia's only four points better, but we're getting 14.5. That's a 10.5 points value on our side. Georgia did win two years ago. 20 to 19, so I think Notre Dame has a little bit of revenge on their mind here. Yes, this is Notre Dame's first big test of the year. After an ugly 30 to 3 loss to Clemson last year in the college football playoffs, I think they're kind of coming out and have something to prove. The last four Notre Dame games versus SEC decided by five points or less. Give me the Irish, plus 14 and a half.
2: Very nice. So that wraps up the uh, the college football for this week. Hopefully you guys can still get some of these numbers by the time the show drops on Friday. Um, and as always, follow us on Twitter. Uh, sometimes we will update our, our Twitter page there if uh, we do get any other information that uh, we fire off a bet. At least I know I do, Chris, at BrockLanders41 on Twitter. Transitioning now to the NFL, the pros on Sunday. Anything so far, Chris, that you like on the NFL card?
1: I got to go with my Giants, man. Daniel Jones. Plus, uh, they were plus seven all week. I think it's ticked down to like plus six and a half at most shops here in New Jersey. But uh, I'm looking at the money line. Starting off 0-2, it's nice and juicy, plus 230 there. I think the team's going to be behind the kid. They're going to come out. He's going to play well. Plus 230, Giants money line.
2: Uh, what do you think of that Tampa Heat? I'm looking at the uh, weather right here, 88 degrees for Sunday. Think uh, Danny Dimes can play in that?
1: Yes, it, uh, the heat's definitely going to be a factor, but uh, I think the kid's ready. The kid is ready. He's chomping at the bit. He's uh, been, you know, breathing down Eli's neck all preseason, and uh, he looks great. Give me the Giants plus two thirty on the money line. All right, there you have it from Chris for
2: uh, NFL. Uh, as for me, I'm looking at two games. Uh, so far, at this point in the week, again, a lot of stuff can change in the NFL as far as by the time we get to kickoff and injury news. Um, as we mentioned last week, you look at Sam Darnold, uh, Jets were pretty much painted around... Uh, Two and a half, three, as far as a dog. He goes out of the game. The line shoots up to six and a half, closed I think seven even in some spots. Um, So a lot can change, especially with guys and injury reports. So always be wary of that. Um, But yeah, looking into the card this week, uh, there are two spots that I like on the card so far that I did fire on. These are games that I actually did bet so far. And uh, we're going to go right now real quick over to... The game featuring the Lions and the Philadelphia Eagles. Detroit played a wonderful game on Sunday. They beat uh, the Chargers there in Detroit. Philly, i tell telling you what, I haven't seen too much out of this team that I like. I've watched both games so far. I watched them Sunday night uh, on Sunday Night Football. I know they had some guys leave the game, uh, some injuries, I just think I just think Carson Wentz isn't exactly where he needs to be right now, and let's not forget they almost lost to Washington at home to open up the season. So you get them here now in another game at home, Detroit. I like what I'm seeing out of Detroit. They they held the Chargers, you know to not that many points last week, and uh, I think you're getting value here. I don't think Philly should be laying this many points. I know it's a home game for them, and maybe they bounce back. But also, too, they played that Sunday night game right down to the wire in the end. Uh, I really like Detroit here. I think Detroit uh, will hang on and uh, stay in this game. I'm seeing pretty much around six and a half, six now. The line was at 7. If anything, maybe tease it a little bit if you want to try to get back past over the 7. Uh, I would recommend doing that, and then another game, Chris. That I'm looking at. There's there's a ton of favorites this week. Uh, you have some really big historical ones, like obviously you know just fading the Jets or the Dolphins. You can do that. Uh, I don't recommend it. Anything over the NFL for me in 13, 14 points uh, is crazy. Uh, You know that's going to be the typical handicap for you know the recreational players out there. Is that the Jets are terrible? They're down to their third string. Uh, Same thing with the Dolphins. The Dolphins have looked completely lost out there on the field. Those are going to be the public plays. Pretty much anyone laying those points. I'm not going to be taking the points in any of those games. I'm just going to avoid that. Um, But I am going to look over to one more game here, and we'll let you guys out. We're going to go over to the Cincinnati Bengals. This is an ugly game. Cincinnati looked terrible last week. Don't get me wrong. I I was on them last week. Don't want to go back here again. (laughs) However, (laughs) Buffalo, they won two games in MetLife Stadium, They beat the Jets and come from behind fashion in the second half. They were a completely different team in the second half, and the Jets couldn't score. You look back to last week now. They came into MetLife again, unfortunately took it to Chris's Giants, and now we see that there's a quarterback change, so who knows? Could have been something going on behind the scenes there, blah, 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 blah. Buffalo is coming now back home for their first game of the year in Buffalo. They're laying six points right now. Nothing that I've seen from Buffalo merits them with that offense to be laying six points to anybody. Sometimes in the NFL, you have to look at it like no team is as bad as their last game and no team is as good as their last game. I think this is a good spot to take Cincinnati. And I'll leave you with one more Pittsburgh. I'm going to take a chance with Pittsburgh. Injured player theory here for me. Roethlisberger is out. They're going to the backup and same thing, San Francisco just played two games on the road. Same same scenario for me. Now they're laying pretty much a touchdown. I'm seeing seven, six and a half still out there. Again, anything that I've seen on the San Francisco side, nothing for that merits almost a, a full score laying. And if it is, Jimmy G, maybe, maybe Jimmy G's the real deal. But uh, I'm going to give you three road dogs right there. I know I wasn't uh, supposed to go that far, but... I'll throw in a bonus in there. I'm feeling feeling generous today.
1: Love it, love it, love it, dude. Three, uh, three dogs, three road dogs. Uh, might have to put a little bit on the stillers there and follow Brock Landers. I got one more pick for you here. I'm looking at the Sunday night football game. I'm going to do something a little bit unusual. I'm going to lay a little chalk here, uh, three-point road chalk. I'm looking at the L.A. Rams. I haven't seen much out of Cleveland. Yeah, they beat up on the Jets last week. Jets are one of the worst teams in the league. I'm not going to uh, take that. I'm not going to fall into that recency bias and, and act like Cleveland is the best team in the world. I got people chirping about on Twitter talking about how they're going in the Super Bowl and, and all this shit. And I just, I don't buy in. The Rams look to be one of the top four or five teams in the National Football League right now. Their defense is looking even better than their offense that is already humming. Give me the Rams. I think this is an easy cover. Sunday Night Football, minus three. I think they win by at least ten.
2: I like that pick a lot, Chris. I, I totally agree with you about Cleveland. I think if, uh, if Darnold played, that would have been a much different game. And I think once he was out of the game, they kind of just you know, were able to, to really finish off uh, a bad Jets team in a bad spot. All right, guys, we're out of time. Make those bets. Beat those lines. Cash them tickets. Get
1: pumped get psyched it's the wager pager podcast that's it for season two episode five thanks to our guest captain jack andrews and as always thanks to my co-hosts brock landers and the guys here at van vorst films and as always good luck happy handicapping and may the gambling gods look gracefully down upon you
0: Thanks for listening, guys. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast on iTunes. Don't forget to leave us a review. And please tell all your friends about the Wager Pager podcast. And follow us on Twitter and Instagram at The Wager Pager. Also, if you or a loved one has a gambling addiction, don't be scared to seek help. You can contact the National Council on Problem Gambling at 1-800-522-4700. They're open 24 hours a day and all calls and text messages are confidential. Major Pager, Pager podcast is co-hosted by Chris Rogers and Brock Landers, executive produced by Van Voorst Films, edited by Van Voorst Films, co-produced by Chris Rogers and Brock Landers, created by Chris Rogers and Mercedes Barba. Music by The Morose Project, produced and written at San Francisco Music Studios. Logo designed by John Carbonella. All picks are for entertainment purposes only, these plays are not financial advice.